Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. A good thing to get used to is, is listening and hearing the Holy Spirit speak to you, and then being obedient. Um, it's a good thing to practice. You, can, you don't have to practice here in church. All the, you can practice it every day. Like, what does is, what is erring on the side of faith mean to you in the morning tomorrow? Ask yourself, Lord, what do you have for me? And then what do you, like, erring on the side of faith, okay, well, this is what I believe. I don't think that you would find yourself disappointed, because he has good things for you. Anyway, we're going to jump into it. Father, we're going to come to your word today, and it will change us. And so we rely not on our strength, not on our understanding, but on the Holy Spirit on your peace, on your joy, on your fullness, and by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for hope. Thank you for abundance of hope in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, I am a youngest child. Anyone else out there with me? Youngest child. You know, we need a club or something. Um, But you may not have had it as bad as me. Because... I'm not just the youngest child. I am the youngest of three boys. And and we're all in a very similar age bracket. So here's here's the problem with being the youngest of three brothers. Anybody who has had a teenage son understands how much food they eat. Am I right? Maybe it's not a blanket statement. But the truth is, Being the youngest of three boys when I was about 12, 13, and my brothers were like 15, 16, 17, every meal was a desperate battle for me to get something. You oldest don't understand this. But specifically, the worst thing of all was Little Caesar's pizza. I love Little, to this day, I would stand on, that's the best pizza in Ferndale. That is the, that is, and, 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 and not, not just any Little Caesars, ham and pineapple, or as I like to call it, Canadian bacon and pineapple. Here's what would happen. It was a special day. It was always a special day when Little Caesars pizza came to the door. Well, when mom or dad came home with Little Caesars pizza. But it was, it was all of a sudden, I would sense a panic inside of me. I better get while the getting's good. I became a very quick eater. And maybe the reason I like ham and pineapple, because it was a survival instinct. Because I'm like, I know, I know that'll ha- there'll be enough there. The pepperoni will go first. But, but I, and then it, was, it got worse when the cousins would come around. In fact, whenever you got together in big groups, it seemed to be a little Caesar's time. Still is, am I wrong? But there was a, I call it a pizza poverty spirit in me <laughs> that I still wrestle with to this day. I still, fo- uh, like when I see pizza sitting there in a group setting, there's, some, there's, a, there's a little bit of a panic that rises up in me. And, and am I going to get enough? And maybe I should grab four pieces on the first go around of my favorite. Oh, I got an amen right there, right, Melvin? All right, praise the Lord. A pizza poverty. 
a pizza poverty spirit. I want to talk about that. Now, you can call it a poverty spirit, but to me, I, I, obviously, it's a silly thing. It's, a, it's kind of a funny way to look at it. But the truth of the matter is, any area of my life, whether it's pizza, my health, my finances, my relationships, any area that I start to panic about lack, I have a pizza poverty spirit in. Now here's the problem. Here's the problem with, with the poverty and the problem with lack. Neither of those things are kingdom. Neither of those things are spirit of God. He's an abundant God. He's the God of peace, not of panic and not of lack. So I submit this to you. If you find yourself panicking over lack or panicking or scared of lack, what spirit are you partnering with in that moment? Is it the God of all, of all that created all, that is all? And is it, or am I choosing in that moment to partner with the, po the pizza poverty spirit? I've, I've used this analogy before. Um, and uh, if you ever go to Israel with me, we'll take you up to Caesarea and we'll show you where Pan, the God of the goat God, they, they would say, when, the goat of the shepherds, because when the sheep would panic, they, there would be this thing that would sweep across the sheep, and they'll be like, they'll freak out. And they would say, oh, pan must be here, which is where we get the word panic. It's not a spirit of God. Panic, it, and, and I'm not trying to put condemnation on us, but it's really good for us to see clearly the spirit with which we're operating. If I'm scared of lack, that's, an, that's a poverty spirit. If I'm panicking, that is, not a, that is not a spirit of God. So we're going somewhere with this today, but I'm giving you some clear tools. It's really easy to determine where it is I'm not partnering with the spirit of God. I'm giving you two tools there right now. Anywhere I panic about lack, I'm, pan I'm partnering with the pizza poverty spirit. And I hope every time you see pizza, that reminds you, oh, I shouldn't partner with the pizza poverty spirit. So here's the thing. You have been born again. When you come to Jesus, you are born again into the Spirit of God. We call it regeneration. We call it, we call it being born again, raised to new life. You are given new codes of genes and DNA. You are born again. You are regenerated. And here's the thing. We are starting a series today called generous genetics generous genetics because the spirit of god is generous so and, and we're we're gonna i'm not gonna be taking the hundred offerings extra all right uh, that's that's not what i'm talking about here i'm talking about anywhere in my life that i am stingy i have a pov pizza poverty spirit because the Spirit of God is generous. And when I was born again and raised to new life, I was given generous genetics in every area. Generous genetics. Let me ask you this question. This is rhetorical, but I do want you to answer it. Has the Lord dealt generously with you? Okay, I want you to think about that. Has the Lord dealt generously with your sin? 
Has he dealt generously? If you were God, looking down upon someone just like you, who had the same thoughts, had done the same things, had done, uh, uh, would you be as generous towards you as God has been? My answer is no. <laughs> I'd have a special place for, for me. <laughs> God has not dealt stingily with you. He's the most generous. He, generosity is who he is. So much so that he gave his only begotten son for you. That's pretty generous. I want to confront this stinginess mentality. The Lord has dealt generously with you. Amen? You've been born again into a generous family line. Your DNA, when you are regenerated, rebirth, given new life, is a generous thing. So we get to decide by which spirit we are going to cooperate. With the regenerated, reborn, born again spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead, that is now dwelling in me, that has quickened my body, baptized and raised to new life, or the stingy, there's not enough pizza for me spirit, or the panic spirit, you get to, you get to decide. Generous, generous means more than necessary or expected. That's what the word generous means. More than necessary, more than expected. Has God been more than necessarily generous and done more than you could ask or think? Secondly, our English word, the word generous, I love this, comes from the Latin, this is where we get the word generous, from the Latin word generosus, and I don't pronounce, I don't pronounce Latin very well, but generosus, which means of noble birth. That's what the word, that's where we get the word generous. It means of noble birth, a nobility about you. Noble genes. Your family line, your genetic code comes from nobility or generosity. The word genes, the word genesis, the beginning, they're all the prefix of the word genesis. Excuse me, generous. Now look at this, 1 Peter 2.9. Speaking of those of us born again, Jesus followers, here was what it says, but you are a chosen people. This is to, raise your hand if you've accepted Christ Jesus into your life. Been born again, okay? So this is for you. Speaking to you. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Church, if you've accepted Christ and been born again, you're of the nobility, which is genetically, by Christ, generous. Do you believe that? So again, anywhere you find yourself stingy, you're for sure listening to the old man in that area, the dead man that you said has been crucified with Christ so that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the old man loves to shout and yell and make us panic and make us stingy. But the kingdom of God, ooh, the spirit of God is generous. Okay, so where are we going with this? 
we have spent probably, I think it's been about two months. I need to grab my uh, umbrigo umbrella, all right? If you, if you think I'm going to get bad luck for this, repent right now. <laughs> That's called superstition. We're not stitious here. All right. We've spent the last, some of you are like, oh, no. All right. Let's have an altar call. Anybody who, no. The last two months, we've been in a series called Covered by the Covenant, right? Where we have been invited by Jesus Christ to come under the shelter of the Almighty. To come in from the storm, come in from the rain, and whatever we cover by the covenant of Jesus, by his blood, we're covered. We are protected. Culminated last week in 11 baptisms where, where people were declaring, I am entered covenant with Jesus. I've been born again, right? That's what baptism is. Death into new life, and it's a declaration. So we've spent... Several, I don't know how many weeks, I could go back and look. At least two months talking about this covenant where I can come under the covenant of Jesus. Oh, it's such a nice, cozy place. It's good. And I need to get my arms back in there, my legs back in there, because the covenant is a good thing. It's got us covered. But here's where we're going. Ben, come on up here. Ben loves it when I call him on the stage. He's sitting in the front. This is why people don't sit in the front row in church. Here's where we're going. Ben, come here. You're covered. Because he's like, I'm not going back. Get out of here. No. You can have a seat. We've been given a gift. Freely you have been given. Freely you have received this gift. I did nothing to earn it except say, okay. <laughs> So it's my generous opportunity to look and, oh, that person's in the cold, in the rain. They're being, de they're being devastated by the enemy. Hey, come on. We're going to extend the umbrella because I, I've been given life abundantly, and it's not just for me. If it were just for me, the minute I said, yes, he'd be like, and kill you and take you home. The ministry of, oh, I got in by the skin of my teeth. If you're still alive, you're alive for one purpose, and that is to extend the umbrella beyond yourself and offer the covenant of reconciliation and ge generously. Oh, this is what we're going to be talking about for the next couple of months. We are going to be focused outward in generosity. Because freely we have been forgiven, right? Freely we have received, and so we give freely. We're not going to be approaching this in an oppressive or guilt trip sort of a way. But we must get them. We must extend the umbrella. Did you know that the gospel, when I say gospel, I'm talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. It Look at me, this is really important. If you've fallen asleep, shake yourself up. The gospel of Jesus Christ has to be presented with a spirit of generosity. And if it's not, you, are, you actually aren't presenting the full gospel to people. If you are presenting the gospel in a spirit of anxiety, panic, lack, 
or you're not enough, you're not presenting the full gospel because the, the, the gospel was a very generous thing and it must be accompanied by the spirit of generosity, not a spirit of attack. You've probably done this or experienced it or had it done to you. Even as a believer, I've had somebody try to present the gospel to me in a stingy way. And I'm like, I'm already saved, buddy. You're, a, you're, a, you're going to hell. What? You don't know me. And they were doing it out of a spirit of, I have to do this or God won't love me. And so that's a spirit of lack. You're presenting the gospel to other people because you, oh, I have to. I'm obligated. And so now you have anxiety about it and, and you bring your anger with you. That's not the gospel anymore. At least not the full gospel. And it bears, it bears no fruit. A spirit of anger, a spirit of against you, that gospel doesn't work because it's not good news. It's an, it's an accusation gospel that you're trying to present to people. The accusers, who is the accuser of the brethren? Satan. So if you approach somebody accusing them of being not worth it, you're, you're joining hands with a different spirit as well. Because the spirit of God is an invitation. It's generous and it's a good thing. Only by his goodness did you come to repentance. It's the only way you came. You didn't somehow climb an enlightenment path by yourself and, I, oh yes, I will accept God. It was by his generosity and his goodness and his kindness that led you to repentance to which you cried out, oh, but Father, I need you. It was the generosity of God because in that moment, you knew sin had destroyed you. You knew the guilt and shame of it. Nobody had to remind you of your guilt and shame. But what the Spirit did was generously say, but it is forgiven. Come under the umbrella. Freely we've received, freely give. Your view of other people and your attitude toward them can literally harden the ground in their life before you even say a word. Okay, I'm going to say that again. How I, let's see, there's my target, that person who I know doesn't know Jesus. How I look at that person, my attitude toward them, what I think about them, can literally put cement on their ground before you even go and say, can I tell you about Jesus? Because I've approached them with accusation, anger, and I've not approached them with the generosity of Jesus. And so I'm coming to hard ground. Everywhere I go is hard ground. Maybe it's because you judge everyone you see. And you're not generous to them. And you're not offering them a generous interpretation. The Lord says that, that uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I'm like, there's no harvest around here. Maybe my attitude is the problem. Because instead of Holding, I'm like, I got an umbrella, and you don't! You get off your lazy rear end and get over here. You probably never will. I didn't think you would. <laughs> Have fun. Go to hell. I may not say that out loud, but that is exactly my heart posture, isn't it? Go to hell. 
Lord, forgive us as we sit under our umbrellas of grace for not offering the grace of God to others. Generosity is what opens doors. Generosity. I, I, well, another food, sorry if I keep talking about food, I must be hungry. One another food that I like is, is uh, the Orient Express, like Hagen or Safeway. You know what I'm saying? Chow mein, little uh, sweet and sour chicken. But here's the deal. Sometimes I'll walk up to that line, and, and I know the person who's, who's delving out the food has no, because they're like giving me just meager portions. But there's been times where I walk up, and it's usually a guy on the other end. He looks at me, and he's like, <laughs> I'm like, bro, you are my favorite human on the planet Earth. Like, you're speaking my language. He's being, like, the generosity all of a sudden made me kin with him. How many of you, people might even have come to you to hear about Jesus, and you're like, I think this is how much you need. This is how much you can handle. In fact, I'm only going to give you the vegetables, not the chicken. It's better for you anyway. I'm convinced Every worker at Edeline Dairy loves ice cream. <laughs> because you go there, this is why it's amazing. You go there and you're like, I just want a small kid's cone. And they're like, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. They're generosity. Like, you, you get it. Ice cream's good. Their generosity speaks up. They love it. They know it. It's good. Your stinginess also speaks. Not enough for me and you. Are people convinced that you love Jesus by your generosity? Generosity always looks to share, to give more than is necessary, more than is expected. It's noble. That's the genes that you've been given. Let's get into the Word of God here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 through 21. Ooh, I got to fast speed up. All right. It says this, for Christ, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised to life. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I'm going to stop there for a second. We regard, if you've entered into the kingdom, in faith I'm telling you, you regard people from not, no longer from a worldly point of view, as the King James says it, according to the flesh. We don't judge people according to the flesh. What that means is I am not being invited to judge people on what I can ever understand about them, on what I've seen, a, a deep dive research into their life, on what I can just read on them, I'm not being invited to judge them according to the world's point of view or according to the flesh or according to anything that they've done. Rather, the invitation and what I'm being told, the generous life is I regard people on who the born again them is, could be, and how God would see them. So they're no longer the, the, the trash person sitting over there that you could, you could write a list of all their grievances and who they are, why they shouldn't deserve it. They are the potential who God made them to be. 
And so I don't approach them as who I think and see that they are. I approach them with the generosity of the kingdom that raised Jesus from the dead, with the generosity of the kingdom that saved me from my depravity, with the generosity of the kingdom that calls all people to come. The spirit and the bridegroom say, come. What is the, what is the invitation God's giving every man? Come. Not get in here, you. I, how dare you not come? Come. There's more than enough than you could possibly know. You, how did you come? You came in a generous way. Do you now turn and have a stingy demand for others to come in a different way than you came? You got to come and, and shape your life up and fix things before you can come to Jesus. You got to get yourself a job, get off the streets, you got to, whatever it is. Once you do all that, you are welcome to the kingdom. That's not how you came. That's the poverty mind. That's the pizza poverty. Oh, there's might not be, an, there's not enough until you get it right. And I know you'll act appropriately toward me. Are my words about them generous and hope filled and opportunity filled? Or are they a stingy, rehearsal about the hopelessness of their life when i speak about when i when i say them whatever comes into your mind you know them when i speak to other people about them when i meditate or think about them am i simply rehearsing everything that i can see that is wrong and all the list of the why they're bad and all these other things are those the meditations of my heart towards them because those are stingy and they're inviting them into death, not into life. So now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, that word in the Greek means anyone, 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 them, that person, oh, they could never because. If they're in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of judging harshly. Harshly. Gave us the ministry of determining who's the most likely to come to Jesus. No. He gave us the ministry of something called reconciliation. You, well, I want to be called, you're called to the ministry, full time. And your ministry has a title, it's reconciliation. Let's look at this. You gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore christ's ambassadors as though god were making his appeal through us we implore you on christ's behalf be reconciled to god i implore you today on christ's behalf be reconciled to god god made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might in him become the righteousness of god all this on the heels of, we regard no one from a human point of view. You will never do a ministry of reconciliation 
if you regard people from the worldly point of view. What does reconciliation mean? It literally means balancing accounts. So you have been given the ministry of bookkeeping. Some of you are better at it than others. In this life. But here's the thing. Your ministry of reconciliation, you are called to be a bad bookkeeper. Let me explain. Because you think of all these companies, like, I'm going to date myself. Remember the Enron crisis and all these, these, like, they just got upside down, or the housing, all of these things. A good bookkeeper takes the credits and the debits, and they can tell you this is the negative or positive balance of your net worth or your accounts in the end. That's what, a net, that's what the bookkeeper does. But the, the ministry of reconciliation is bring all, oh, you spent a lot of debits. What's my balance? Righteousness. You're in the positive. Yeah, but this and this, oh, all of that. I, in fact, what I did, now imagine this, if it, those of you who own businesses or just your personal account, if I could take every debit that you spent and toss it into someone else's account and all that got put in there was the credits. You all of a sudden have a lot of money. Well, I work, I work all these hours, and I work full time. All these, at the end of the month, I'm still going into the red. That's because you got debits. Because you're buying stuff, and you're spending money on whatever it is. Your ministry of reconciliation. You get to be the bookkeeper that, be, that I've got very good news for you today, sir. Your balance is $1 million. What? You've sat down with that accountant when you've done your taxes, and you're like, what's it going to be at the end? They're like, you're in the bonus. You're like, I love you. You're the best bookkeeper ever. I love you as my accountant. Have you been with the accountant that's like, ooh, you're going to have to send the government $3,000 this year. I hate you for that. You're the good bookkeeper. You're the great accountant. This is your ministry. Not to judge people according to the flesh, but to, oh, look at all those debits. Look at opportunity. I'm going to take all of that to Jesus' account, paid for for what is left for me. The umbrella! You're in! That's the ministry of reconciliation. You understand the spirit of God is generous. It's generous. This is who you are, nobility. You're kingdom people. Noble, generous. We think in our hearts, about who God is, and we extend it to people. We're not a pizza poverty. Well, there's only so much pizza to go around. It's not even your job to decide how much pizza there is. I think that's one of the lessons of the feeding of the 5,000. The disciples are like, yeah, we got these loaves and these fish, but how much can that do? And he's like, why don't we put it into my account? And all of a sudden, your job isn't to decide how much bread is left. That was not the disciples' job. Your job is to just keep giving it to people. Just keep giving it to people. Yeah, there's more bread. Ah! The minute I'm like, oh, how much is left? I don't know. Let's see. You played video games all day, so we're going to give it to you who dug the ditch all day. That's not your job. To determine the generosity and portions given. You're not smart enough for that. You weren't created for that. That's not the anointing of reconciliation. The reconciliation is video game dude, ditch digger dude, come on. Everyone come. And there's more than enough in my father's house. Amen. 
And I want to say this, generosity is actually what unlocks the miraculous around you and in your life. Stinginess will never unlock a miracle in your life, financially, mentally, any of those things. Because stinginess always looks at what I can have and what is, what is the amount and portion that's appropriate. It relies on my wisdom. It relies on, it relies on my ability to determine. It's stingy. Generosity is the spirit that says everyone who came to Christ is good. I don't have to figure out why and how and, or who and why this did. I, all I have to do is say, keep coming, keep coming. All I am is the, I, I get the good job. I get the fun job. It's just the inviter. Come on. Come under the umbrella. It's good. It's the best. I can't even control what they do, but I can control my attitude toward them as I invite them. I don't know why they always sit over here. They're over here today. Why? You know what I'm saying. I want you to do this. Because right now, we, you, we need to repent. We need to repent over our heart attitudes towards other people. Maybe stop feeding yourself a diet of what's wrong with the world. A diet of what's wrong with that other political party. A diet of what's wrong with that culture. Instead, fill yourself a diet of, of what does the Spirit of God say about them? Who, does he, who did he actually create them to be? Because then, I heard something on the roof. That was weird. Generosity, when I tap into that spirit, I'm tapping into something that's more than required, more than necessary, and more than myself. And let me tell you one more secret about the, the Hagen Orient Express. Here, here's why and the guys at Edeline, or the girls at Edeline, here's why they can be generous. Because at the end of the day, it's not their food. Right? I know how it is. Like, dude, you need some extra. Because at the end of the day, I get paid the same. Whether I give you an extra portion, or I don't give you any. Here's the freedom of it. In the kingdom. It's not your food, it's his. It's not your food. It's not your miracles to give. It's not your grace to give. I don't know. They, they shouldn't be forgiven of all of that. Like, they're bad. They can't be in the same services as good people. It's not your forgiveness to give. It's your grace. It's his grace. It's his forgiveness. That's why I can forgive people even when they sin against me. Because that's the spirit of God and his generosity. And so I can dole it out and be like, Come on in. Here's an extra portion of it because you need it. Freely I have given, been given. Freely I will give. It's a much freer way to go. It's a more generous way to live. It feels much better. Will you stand with me? Stephanie, I'll have you come. We're going to spend, again, I don't know, we'll see. But leaning into what generosity means in the spirit. Specifically, when it comes to look, looking outside of the umbrella. Because God's heart is to be generous to all. And to, he, wants to, he, want, he literally 
wants everybody to be saved. That's his goal. I don't know what God's plan is. His number one plan is for everyone to get saved. You don't have to lose sleep over it anymore. And so he's placed you in this world into a great season and in a great environment in a specific spot, specific area of influence. And he's just put his spirit of God on you that is generous because that's what invites people in. So if you, like me, have also dabbled into the spirit of peace of poverty as I look outside to the people that need Jesus, and I believe the lies about them because I've seen the evidence of who they are. I know it. I can plot it. Because that's still the worldly perspective and according to the flesh. So if you're like me, just put your hands out in front and just stand, Father, Forgive us. Forgive us, Father. Replace our heart of stone with a soft heart of generosity. I pray that you'd fill us now with the generosity that, oh, can only come from you. One that's beyond our understanding. That as we walk in a ministry of reconciliation, oh, that it's, that it's a, a beautiful invitation. And so we receive again freely forgiveness because we repent and we come to you and you're so good. And you don't regard our iniquity from a worldly point of view either. And so I bless each person here who's hearing my voice with forgiveness in the name of Jesus, with the Spirit of God, with the yoke that is easy and a burden that is light, with Jesus Christ instilled in them to be generous. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So you know the Spirit of God, amen? So go be generous. Give it a try. You've got the umbrella, and it's raining. So be filled with the Spirit. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.